Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. I'm a certified microdosing practitioner, menstrual cycle coach, and feminine embodiment mentor. And I'm on a mission to break taboos around women's bodies, periods, and psychedelics. On this show, we're exploring all things spirituality, sexuality, mysticism, and empowerment. Come along as I interview other coaches, teachers, healers, and thought leaders about all the ways we can feel more tuned in, turned on, and lit up AF. If you're on a journey towards self-discovery, you've come to the right place. This is The Light Within. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. I am so excited to have this chat today. I feel like it is one that is incredibly needed, especially in the times that we are living in. Dr. Shama Matthews is coming in today to talk about sex and intimacy before, during, and after menopause. We're talking about tackling other problems in the bedroom, no matter your age. We talk about lube and why it is not only a amazing tool, but almost a vital ally when it comes to having the sex that we so deserve. And I love that I get the chance to speak with her about choosing your provider. We're looking at some red flags and some green flags when it comes to choosing your healthcare practitioner. And I really feel like that in particular is something that is so necessary, especially in the current times, right? So Dr. Shama Matthews is a board-certified OBGYN, minimally invasive gynecologic surgeon, and NAMS-certified menopause specialist. As both a mother and wife herself, her goal is to help women of all ages maintain their own quality of life while keeping up with the day-to-day needs of their families and careers. She just has a wonderful spirit. She is so open to talk about things that can be a little bit tricky. And she also works hand-in-hand with this amazing company, Playground, which we will talk more about, and which she was so generous in providing us an excellent discount code for all of the listeners. Again, we're going to talk more about that, and you can find out more about that in the show notes as well. So this is a conversation that I feel like is really important no matter your age. So if you're listening to this and you see um, you know, menopause and you think, oh, maybe this isn't one for me. I totally disagree. Dr. Matthew's message is one that I think anyone with a vagina needs to hear. So please join me in welcoming Shama Matthews to the Light Within podcast. Thank you so much, doctor, for coming in and speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So the first question I ask everyone who comes on the show is what ignites your light within? Um, That was an excellent question. Um, I would say it has to be hard question to answer. My family, um, I'm extremely blessed to have uh, three beautiful children and a super supportive husband. Um, And I am also super lucky to be in a medical practice that um, really inspires me. It's something that I love doing every day. And I think in medicine, there's a lot of unfortunate negativity and sort of negative space within how medicine is practiced and how certain providers feel, you know, in the kind of um, constructs that they have to be forced into. And I feel like I'm lucky that I get to work with fantastic patients really doing, you know, the kind of work that that um, I'm passionate about. Mm, that's fantastic. I love that. So for those <laughs> folks who don't know your, your work, introduce yourself and sure. let us know a bit more about what it is that you do. 
Sure. Um, so I am a minimally invasive GYN surgeon and gynecologist. So I don't do obstetrics, um, don't deliver babies, but I focus all on women's health. Um, so everything from the pap smear and birth control, um, all the way through menopause and hormone management. Um, and then the surgical side, which I love as well, is sort of the benign, so non-cancer type surgeries, which I do robotically. Mm. So that treats conditions like fibroids, ovarian cysts, um, and endometriosis. Um, so I work a lot with that. And then, you know, kind of woven through that is actually sort of the, the, the work that I do with um, sexual wellness and sexual health as well. Mm. Fantastic. And so why is this work personal to you? So I think that, you know, my journey into medicine started when I was very young. I was one of the, you know, kind of few people that sort of knew this was my goal and passion in life, went to medical school, didn't really know I was going to end up in women's health, but I just felt like almost like the universe was sort of guiding me in that direction where, you know, that is what really caught my interest um, in so many different ways. Um, and then, that really helped um, kind of me navigate to where I am now. Um, my own journey, one, obviously becoming a mom, um, having my own sort of struggles, whether from a women's health standpoint, sexual wellness standpoint, um, pelvic pain standpoint, those kinds of things, seeing that in my patients, seeing how, you know, getting my patients to the other side of that and really kind of taking that journey with them. That's really where you know, I feel like there's not a not enough attention paid to this. Um, I think that I, you know, kind of sought out extra training and extra like teaching to to really get to know these areas, which I feel don't necessarily get focused on in residency um, very acutely. It really has to be something that you have to be passionate for and sort of seek out mentors um, to really get to know this. Mm, absolutely, and so. A lot of what you talk about is libido and having a healthy sex life. So let's talk a bit about that. It's something I've certainly struggled with in the past when I came off of hormonal birth control in 2020. The first big symptom I experienced was completely like no libido whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, and so what are some of the common questions that you get from patients who may find that their sex life is a little lagging or they don't really have a libido or sex desire? Right. Um, I would say probably the most common thing is actually not realizing that it's not normal or that it's not, you know, that you don't have to just settle for that or be okay with it. Right. So particularly in the older women who are kind of going through hormonal changes because of menopause, there's almost this sort of acceptance of it because, you know, the way that society sort of views women as we age, they kind of, you know, make it seem like we become less sexual and less, sexual beings. And so it's not something that's supposed to be at our forefront. Um, and that presents at different ages too. The, the idea that like, you know, wanting to be healthy from a sexual standpoint, wanting to um, be interested in intimacy and things like that, there's something wrong with that, or there's something negative about it, right? Like that, that whole concept. Um, so it makes women kind of shy to talk about it or bring that up or seek, you know, ways in which to, to correct it or help it. So. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that having conversations with a doctor around this, I don't know. I mean, I certainly felt very comfortable to talk to my doctor about the fact that I 
had little to no sex drive. But I can also see how that might be really uncomfortable for some folks to discuss with someone. Like, sure, you're there talking about the anatomy of what's going on in my reproductive system, but is it also okay to talk about the fact that like, I'm not that turned on and I can't come? Right. Totally. I think a lot of women actually started off with like apologizing. They, they actually say, I'm sorry to bring this up or waste your time by discussing this. And it's me telling them, no, like, who else would you talk to about this? You know, and I'm one to somewhat and, and sounds like your doctor is too, to ask about it. You know, are you having any issues with intercourse? Are you having pain with sex or dryness or, you know, issues with libido? But if sometimes if I don't venture that question, they're not going to bring it up. Or when they do bring it up, it's with, again, surrounded with apologies and, and sort of discomfort of, oh, okay, you want to, you want to know about that? Like, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so do you think that a lagging libido is something that's a physical problem? Is it emotional, mental? Is it a combination? So I love that question too, because I think it's actually everything. And so if you look into sort of even the research and studies surrounding um, libido and arousal and orgasm for women, it's quite complicated. It, it comes from all different directions. So if one thing is off, it's going to affect it. So when we have that conversation, I'm often asking, all right, let's figure out what it is that we need to correct. Um, often correcting the physical part of it, whether it's with you know using a quality lubricant or um, correcting something hormonally um, and coming at it from that perspective, that sex shouldn't be painful, that it shouldn't be uncomfortable, um, that dryness is not okay. Like from that perspective, that's one piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. But then many women I'm talking to, and we can tell from a lot of other things that we discussed during the visit, there's anxiety, there's, you know, sadness, there's depression, there's stress, life stressors. And for women, you know, it's, you have to be in it kind of whole body and mind to really get there. It's not something that's just going to happen by the wayside, right? Just because you're in the moment or in the position, it's more because all of these things have to align. And a lot of it has to do with inhibition too. Like us, are we inhibited? in the moment because our mind is on something else. So I think it's very linked, all of those things, Um, but you can't have just one or the other. You need to really, you know, make sure that you're supporting each of those factors. Yes, absolutely. What I realized is I would sometimes be thinking, I don't have time for this. I have so much other shit to do. Or it was like, okay, I'm not really excited about this because I kind of know how it's going to go. And those were some things that I realized, you know, not only, like you said, was it a physical issue that I was much drier um, and things like that. It was in my head. And so I think that, yeah, that's just so essential. And it's an issue I didn't really have in my 20s, but I didn't have the life stressors or the responsibilities that I do in my mid to late 30s that I did in my early 20s. (laughs) 100%. Exactly. So most of the women I talk to, I bring that to light and say, think about how long your to-do list is. How many other things you're worried about as part of your day, your career, your family, your, you know, your living situation, whatever it might be. And this is not anywhere near that top list of priorities. And in order to actually really focus on it, you got to set all that stuff aside. You have to actually carve out time for this and prioritize it. And you mentioned, you know, it's not just physical. It was just, it was mental too, but that also plays and factors on each other, right? Because physically you're not going to be less, um, again, inhibited, um, more relaxed, producing moisture um, and allowing the body to kind of take those signals and really get to the point where you can orgasm and actually have a sensual experience. Mm -hmm. But if your mind's not there, that's never going to happen. You're going to always kind of have a line in the sand. So you're right. 
And you know what's going to happen in the sense that, for example, if a patient's saying that it's uncomfortable or it's painful, right? Like you're not going to want to do it. Why would why would you put your, your body your body's just not going to feel turned on, not want to do it because oh that last couple times it was dry and it hurt. Yeah. Um, so it's not like a pleasant experience. And why would you know our body doesn't crave pleasant not unpleasant experiences? Yeah, absolutely. And so you kind of mentioned this a little bit ago when we were speaking about like how society views women as they age. So I'm 37. Um, I'm not in perimenopause yet, but I know listeners who are. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times I think we speak about menopausal sex drive changes. But from what I have experienced with friends of mine who are, you know, in their mid to like early late 40s, like perimenopause can bring on a lot of issues with sex drive or desire and stress as well. So can we talk about like how does libido change as we age, specifically for those folks who are listening and they might be 40 plus? Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of put in some, you know, clinical like explanation as well. So menopause, right? Average age is 51. Um, and the years leading up to it is what we call perimenopause. And that can start anywhere from five to seven years before we actually reach menopause. Um, so it, that, that brings you to exactly mid to early 40s for some women where they're starting to experience these hormone changes. And it doesn't necessarily mean you're noticing changes in your period per se. It could be other things. It could be hot flashes or night sweats or changes in the vaginal you know, health, um, lubrication, things like that, libido. Um, so those things can start earlier on as well. Um, I've had menopausal women or perimenopausal women come uh, present in, in both ways. They, they've told me yeah, it's all kind of tanked and others that have, I don't know, I think part of it is maybe where they are in life or potentially after menopause, not having to worry about pregnancy or other, like having to do, use protection, whatever it is that they feel that it's almost like it sparked something in them and that they actually noticed that they have decreased inhibition and it's actually a little better. So there is hope. It's not necessarily all downhill. Um, but either way, it's more just you know, focusing on that a little bit and maybe spending a little time with, you know, your physician and, and looking into it and researching and, and reading into it, um, how you can um, navigate that, th- those changes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the message that I want to hear as a woman who's 37, and I know other women want to hear too, is that it doesn't have to be the end. Like, like exactly what you're saying. Like there are people who are having just the most mind blowing sex at 50 at 60. Um, and I'm sure like, yes, mental and emotional, we've kind of already touched on that, that it needs to be a full holistic approach to when we go into a pleasure practice, but like, let's talk physically because I know I have had issues with vaginal dryness. Mm -hmm even in my early twenties. And let's chalk that up to the fact that I was drinking a lot of alcohol as well. But, um, (laughs) like as we age, yeah, the vaginal secretions are going to change. Hormones are going to ebb and flow. So you talk a lot about the fact that personal lubricants are essential skincare, just like moisturizers. (laughs) Like, yes, I moisturize my face multiple times a day, but I never really thought about that. I also needed to moisturize my vulva. So what are some lubricants that you really like? And, I guess like how, I don't really know how to ask this, but like, when do you put them on? Right. <laughs> like, when, when do, you when use do them? we use them? Yeah. Um, so, okay. So let's start with, um, I am ch- a chief medical advisor for a company called Playground, mm-hmm. which specializes in female um, sexual wealth and health, uh, health and wellness. Um, and they're an excellent brand. I feel like there's been a lot of changes and a lot of um, interest and attention to sexual wellness. Finally, yeah. um, we used to have sort of like these kind of old 
I don't know, ancient kind of products that were available and that was it. But none of them were really formulated for us. Mm -hmm. It was, they were not formulated for the pH and delicate environment of the vagina, right? Like that just wasn't what it was for. So now finally we have options that actually take that into account. And that's what really interested me in getting involved with Playground because it was so well thought out. It was really about how do we maintain that that normal pH? How do we prevent things like infections and UTIs and actually have, you know, sex be something and, and any kind of sexual pleasure be something that we own and we want to do and we like are kind of taking care of ourselves. So that's what really excited me to get involved with the company. Um, and it's an awesome product. Um, so that's kind of one of my favorites, but that's what we're looking for. We're looking for products that are going to um, really focus on maintaining sort of the best health and environment. Um, and when do you use it? Basically anytime you want. <laughs> you can use it um, with intercourse, whether it's penetrative or not. You can use it for masturbation. You can use it with a vibrator, with a partner, um, really any of those times. So, um, some of the products are scented, which is nice because that too kind of sets the mood. Um, the texture is nice. They're not sticky and gross. They don't kind of like linger, um, but they're there for you know just enough time for, be, you know, for you to be able to enjoy it without having to do like tons of reapplication. Mm-hmm. So it's about finding that fine balance. Um, so finding a good quality product. And I actually even tell my patients that finding a good quality product is important. Just like you wouldn't just use anything on your face because you find what fits for your texture, for your skin, it's the same. Um, so that area is very um, sensitive, right, to external pressures and whether that's because we're running around sweaty and leggings or because, you know, we're hitting the, the beach and the pool all summer long um, or we're having sex maybe frequently and in the 20s, like, you know, drinking a lot, partying a lot, whatever, but like not necessarily paying a lot of attention to that area. And then you're, you know, dealing with frequent UTIs or frequent vaginal infections because that area is just becoming irritated, the pH is thrown off, the biome is thrown off, and then all of a sudden you're dealing with that battle. Um, And there's issues with that. There's consequences too, because the more that area is irritated or like sort of insulted, um, sex, it can almost become like a memory thing where like sex or, you know, touch can become uncomfortable because you're sort of like anticipating it to hurt. And then again, that puts you down into this whole crazy cascade. So you kind of have to treat it like its own, you know, its own thing and really take care of it. I love that you said the more it's insulted. (laughs) Because like I insulted the shit out of it in my 20s, like not choosing partners who were worthy Mm -hmm. of being in that space, Mm -hmm. using products that were just like, ugh. God, I, I remember this experience I had with the Fire and Ice brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I, have, I have Terrifying. Don't ever use one. it. Um, <laughs> if you want to feel like your lady parts are literally on fire. And yeah. Yeah. Like why? Horrible. Like why? I guarantee it wasn't a person with a v- vagina who thought of that product. 100%. And that is exactly <laughs> my point. <laughs> So, yeah, and I think that that is something that I certainly have struggled with exactly like that memory. Um, And in my work, what I do with my clients as someone who is a menstrual cycle coach, but also works a lot with the womb and feminine embodiment, it's like there are memories stored in that area. Mm -hmm. And for myself, it absolutely was that case. Um, So I'm so glad that you you brought that up. Let's talk about how to talk about this with your partner. Um, 
you know, if you're someone who has been with someone for a long time, or maybe you're just in a new relationship, are there tips that you have to speaking about something that might not feel super comfy to talk about? Yeah, I know that's a, it's a tough um, conversation for some women. I recently was talking to a woman that, you know, she's accepting that our body is changing and that she needs to use a lubricant, but our partner's not, not on board because, you know, there's also the stigma that like, oh, if you have to use lubricant, is something broken? Is something wrong? And they're like, not doing no. it for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Like they, it's egos, but whatever. Um, and so, you know, it's really kind of coming at it with the, the ownership that it is. I need to take care of my parts. This helps me. This is going to help us. You know, this is really about enhancing the experience, not just for you, but for me particularly so that we can, you know, make the best of this, make it like, you know, beyond. So it's really just kind of owning it, coming, coming to that conversation with the, you know, this is not something that speaks about you or how you turn me on or what you're doing to my body. It's just, it's what I need and I like it and it, it helps me. And it, if it's going to make my experience more pleasurable, that's a win for everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. That's sort of the conversation that I ended up having with my husband years and years ago around toys in the bedroom in general. Mm -hmm. And I love this. I don't, I don't remember who I saw talking about this on the internet, but like looking at that like a team. Yeah. Like it's a yeah. team. It's a team right. effort, right? You have exactly. several different players on the team, right? You're not going to have to do all the things when you're playing on a team. It's not, you know, if you're playing basketball, you're not just one person. You got to have the toy and the lubricant. And for me, it's also the lighting and the music. Yeah, <laughs> like exactly. They are all coming together to play this part. And the goal being, you know, in a lot of cases, orgasm. Yes. Um, so I love that. That is something that, yeah, taking ownership and, and really feeling like, this is something that we are going to benefit from. Yes. Yes. Because it really should be in that moment, right? Not just for, you're not just pleasuring the other person. Yeah. It's also for you to achieve pleasure. And that's also, that should be their goal. If you're in a healthy, healthy relationship, that should be their goal too, right? Yes. So, you know, trying to to bring it to that. And actually it was interesting for that person that was telling me this about their partner, I sent them to the playground website. I was like, mm -hmm. just have them check out the playground website because- I'm like, they'll see what, what fun this is supposed to be, how, you know, um, positive this is supposed to be. It's not some like negative thing. Like, again, like you're greasing something or oiling yeah. something that's broken. Like that's the kind of concept I think, you know, partners might have, but mm -hmm. there's a total different take to it that I think some of them just don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. And I love that on one side of the internet, I do see so many people of all different genders really taking ownership of this. And yet I live in Texas where <laughs> shit is terrible when it comes to female reproductive rights. Um, and, and so, you know, with the reversal of Roe v. Wade and being in the position that you're in, do you think that this is going to affect these positive conversations we're having about sex and pleasure or access to reproductive well, healthcare? We know that access has already been impacted. Sure. Um, right? It's been just one domino effect after another. And I live in a comparatively more liberal place than you do, but it's I still fear for it. Mm -hmm. I still fear for it coming after my practice and my patients. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there is any place that's safe is basically where I – but that's the conclusion I came to. So I still feel a gut punch anytime mm -hmm. someone um, brings up or discusses – uh, Roe v. Wade with me because it was, that's how it felt. It was like a serious, you know, almost personal visceral reaction um, that this could happen and this could happen to all women, 
So for me, how does it affect the conversation? We have to keep having the conversation. We have to keep bringing this to the forefront. We have to keep educating. We have to keep empowering women to take a hold of this and wanting this and making this important to them. Um, Because the more we let others kind of talk for us on this topic, the more they're going to suppress it and shame it and, you know, make it seem like some sort of dark, dirty kind of thing. And that's not what it is. (laughs) No, not at all. And I think that, yeah, I can't imagine, like, it felt like such an attack for anyone who is someone with a female reproductive system, but like to work in that space, I can imagine that it was even more of an attack. Like I used to be a TV news anchor and when people would attack the media, I felt it very personally. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. So having the conversation, speaking up about this, um, any other, you know, things that you feel like folks really need to know about, you know, having those conversations, because let's be honest, if, you live somewhere where it's harder to get reproductive health care in general. We're not talking about abortions. We're not talking about no. terminations. We're talking about just making sure everything is working okay. Yes. But like I know that I'm going to be going in the future to other – like having conversations with other doctors and they might not be as open as my gynecologist was. Right. Right. Um, there are always other doctors. Yeah. <laughs> like, Are One there thing- red flags that you have like for folks like – I mean, and I know you don't want to trash other people who are in the medical No, I don't. But, like- but I mean, I hear it all the time, right? When people come to me because they've had negative experiences before, you know, yeah. they've had, they've been gaslighted, they've been dismissed, they've been yeah. made to feel shameful when they left an appointment. They may, they were made to feel like they couldn't discuss something. And now we have our barriers too, right? Like we can't necessarily delve in deep on a lot of things when you're just coming in for a routine visit, but it may be something that we say, you know what, this deserves its own time. Like let's set up a time to actually focus on this. You know, it might not be part of the checklist for us to do like during, you know, our routine care kind of stuff, just because the way that medicine is set up, unfortunately we don't have control over that in the sense that we we just can't, it just doesn't financially make sense. It just won't work. Yeah. So for, us to be able to really pay attention to it, somebody who's saying this this deserves to be, you know, um, attended to. Uh, that is to me a green flag. You know, something that tells me that yeah, okay, we're we're gonna pay attention to this. Um, and the red flags are the other kinds of things. And to know that you can advocate for yourself. There's nothing wrong with asking questions. There's nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. Um, and any, you know, provider that makes you feel less than for wanting those things for yourself, that's a red flag, right? Because would they, is that what they would want for their own family member? No, right? You would want your own family member to seek out the best for themselves in their healthcare. And that's what, you know, we ourselves should be doing for ourselves. Mm. Perfectly said. Yeah, I love that. Um, and so we've talked about libido. We've talked about these beautiful products from Playground. We've talked about yeah, the shit storm <laughs> that really has happened in the last year. And I love kind of the ending about like ask questions. And if a doctor or a medical professional isn't really okay with that or okay with you asking for a second opinion, like red flag for sure. Anything yeah. else that you feel called to share about, you know, any of these subjects or just anything that's on your heart? Um, I would say that, you know, that self-education, that reaching out and trying to find out as much information, I so value people like you for bringing this kind of openness to other 
women up for other people to like, just be able to say, okay, this is something we can talk about openly and it's, it's totally okay. There's nothing negative about it. So I love that we have more resources to even hear that um, and be a part of that. And so I think that often just hearing it and like being surrounded by that often allows people to bring that more into their life and allow that, allow them to apply it to their lives. Um, Resources that I often um, encourage uh, people to check out. Um, Like I said, from a, from a uh, product standpoint, I love play- playground stuff. Um, but then from a, when we talked about menopause and perimenopause, um, the North American Menopause Society, um, they actually just re- changed their name to the Menopause Society. Uh, they actually have tons of resources, great um, uh, you know, information about those kind of hormonal changes and a really cool um, provider listing of docs that are um, certified in sort of menopause care, which is great. So I often say, you know, look into that the same way that you would look into, you know, people that are um, the best for whatever thing that you're trying to take care of, whether it's your car or your house or your, you know, your washing machine, like you would, you should seek out somebody who is um, well-versed in the issue at hand. So whether that's sexual wellness, whether that's, um, you know, menopause or hormone management, whatever it might be. And I think that's going to help you find, um, people that are more in line with this kind of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have a discount code for folks listening for Playground, which I will put in the show notes. I'll also put the link to Playground's website in the show notes. Um, Any way that folks can connect with you or learn more from you? Sure. Um, So my website is drmatthewsgyn.com. I also have the same um, Instagram handle. So you can always message me or reach out to me there. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all about this juicy topic. Hopefully, you're very welcome. (laughs) Mm, I loved that conversation. Again, I feel like it is so necessary. And really, how special is it to be able to talk with or listen to a doctor speak about things like sex, like helping your libido, like, like lubrication, right? And so just like they mentioned um, in our conversation, the light within is the discount code for 15% off your first order from Hello Playground. I'll put all of the links in the show notes below. We'll also have links to Dr. Matthew's work as well as menopause.org. If you're listening to this and maybe you're in menopause or perimenopause or you're like me and in your late 30s, baby, it is knocking on the door. It's coming our way sooner than we would like to admit. So better to be prepared to be surprised. Thank you guys so much for spending some time with me today. You can always reach out to me on social media at Leslie Draffin and at the light within podcast. Send me an email. Hello at lesliedraffin.com. I would love to hear from you. Have yourself a wonderful week. And remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time, babe.